everybody, and welcome to yet another edition of the Time Out with DG Podcast. I am your host, as always, Daniel Gotera. Thanks for stopping by on this June 3rd. Boy, if you're in the Houston area and you're listening to this, we got some nasty little storms last night. I was about to go to bed at about 12.15, 12 o'clock, 12.15. I like to stay up late. I shouldn't. I have two kids at home. I'm dead tired by about 9.30. But I like to stay up and have my uh, me time, my alone time. So about 12.15, I'm about to go to sleep. And off in the distance, outside the front windows of our house, I see just this complete craziness of a light show. I mean, it is going off. And I check the radar, and that sucker is heading right for us. So I'm like, I can't go to bed yet. Two little ones here in the house. I know they're going to wake up soon, and sure enough, at about 1.15, that sucker hit us, and bam, we had a huge storm roll through. We've been in this new house now, what, two two months and a week? We've had some doozies roll through here. I already got in the closet with my kids one time uh, because of those tornado warnings a few weeks back. Then we had another storm roll through, stuff blowing all over the place. Man, living in Katy. I'm back living in Katy. I, I miss the way these storms hit Katy. Uh, living in the city, you don't really get this, but man, there are uh, there's something else. So I think we're gonna get some more rain, but hopefully that goes away by the weekend. Anyway, uh, this is episode 58, a conversation with our baseball analyst Jeremy Booth, as I promised you guys in our last episode I would have, and we talk about how baseball needs correcting. Baseball, uh, the game of baseball is in a really weird spot right now. If you if you watch baseball like I do, pretty much every day, at this point. Uh, I love the game, loved it my whole life. That's my my sport, my family's sport. We, I mean, we adore the game. All the intricacies of it, the uh, the nuances of it, make it so cool. Uh, but those nuances are are going away little by little, and I think people are starting to notice. Uh, Jeremy for sure has. If you follow him on Twitter, he wants the game changed. He wants the game put back in the players' hands. Uh, that's how he puts it, and. Uh, we talk about that. We talk about all the little things about the game, you know, the, the lack of stolen bases, uh, the hit and runs. Bunting has been so miserable now for the last couple of years. Everyone's just focused on home runs, strikeouts, and walks. And sure, those are great things. A three-run homer can change the game instantly. We get it, but the game is so much more than that. There are a lot of good athletes in this game that are not – being allowed to do what they do because of quote-unquote analytics, what the numbers tell them. And I think people are starting to realize that, you know, we need to get back to what made this game so beautiful. Uh, you know, bad catching, pass balls are up, wild pitches are up. And we we get into all of that here. Jeremy's great. And um, he's always, you know, busting my balls on Twitter, on social media. Man, okay. We start off the conversation by talking about this one picture, and I kind of allude to it a little bit, but a little bit more background. So we were going back and forth one day on text messages, and I don't know why I did this. I didn't think of anything of it. We were talking about facial hair, and I told him that, you know, right at the start of the pandemic, I grew a goatee. If you guys watch Channel 11, I don't know if you remember it. It was a very it was a very short moment in my life. I had one in college, too. I thought, oh, well, I'm at home with the baby. I'm just going to grow one back. I think my wife liked it for a little while. I didn't, I didn't really know how to take care of it, <laughs> so I kind of let it go probably longer than it should. Matt Musel, my colleague, has a goatee. It looks it looks fine on him, but mine was, uh, in, in moments, it was okay. Anyway, so I sent him a picture of me, a selfie, on the patio. I don't know what I was doing. I think it was a holiday. I think it was Memorial Day last year that I took that picture. I sent it to him, and it was one of the biggest mistakes of my life because now he just blows up my phone 
and social media with that picture all the freaking time. I I can't get away from it. I see it all the time. So I'm trying to dig up dirt on him. We start off our conversation that way, and then we kind of dive into all the uh, baseball issues of the day. And uh, we also talk about that, you know, Tony LaRusso, your mean Mercedes thing from a couple of weeks ago. You know how uh, Tony LaRusso, the dinosaur that's coaching the first place White Sox right now, um, how he threw his player under the bus publicly for swinging on a 3 0 pitch with a position player pitching. Uh, I was incensed by that. Um, Larissa just doesn't understand today's players. He doesn't really understand what's going on. He knows the game very well, Hall of Fame manager, obviously, but that was my fear with the White Sox hiring him is that he wasn't going to connect with this team. And luckily, that team has been together for such a long time. They don't really need a manager to help connect with them. They're all together as one. Even Tim Anderson said, what, last week, when they were in New York, he said, yeah, we're kind of like the bad kids. He's our dad. We don't really pay attention to him, but we all get along. Uh, so that's what the White Sox are doing. They're winning in spite of him. So we get into uh, Tony La Russa a little bit too, but really kind of dive into some baseball nuances. It's a little um, it's a little uh, specific. It's detailed as to some of the things that we talk about, but I think if you're a baseball fan and you see some of the things that we're noticing in the game, I think this is a really good conversation to kind of be a part of. Uh, the audio kind of comes in and out a little bit. We were on Zoom back and forth. You know how it is. I can't wait to see Jeremy in person again to record some of these episodes in person. That is going to be great. But it's a great talk. Jeremy Booth here talking baseball and how it needs to be corrected and how the game goes about doing that. Jeremy Booth, how are you? Uh, we are on Zoom, and I, uh, I actually shaved this time for you. I, I thought about leaving the goatee, which if you follow both of us on Twitter – um, this man is relentless. I gave him a gift. I really did. I gave him a gift and he has rewarded me with incessant barrage of, of me. Oh my gosh. It's true. That's what you've done. One of the best pictures of all time. I mean, it's, it's great. Uh, I don't know what you're waiting on. I don't want to know what you're waiting on. I don't know who who made you mad. I just nobody made me mad. I was just looking cool. Yeah, man. I, I don't know. All I know is it uh, it cracks me up. It's there's so many different occasions I can use that picture. <laughs> I use it here. I, I mean, it's, it's like right on my go to list. It's like, okay, what what is it? Yeah, then that there's that one. There's a eyes in the back of your head, like. I, you know, oh. you, you read on that one. That was just like talking about some football deal. I, it was. I it was a harmless post about football, and you uh, just you just take it. And run. I can't like give you an inch. I cannot give you an inch. <laughs> You're just like, and okay, and it's beautiful. So, so I think now, I think now you need to send me something, like a picture <laughs> of something. Like I feel that would make us even, because then I could just hammer you with all that. Oh, I think it's, it's, it's beautiful. Look, I, I, there's plenty of material out there if you know where to get it. You just got to keep looking for it. I got to find the right sources. Got to find it. That's right. Yeah, I got to find the right sources. Well, uh, I'm having you on to talk about baseball. I guess the biggest question is, because as I alluded to before we got started, every time I turn on social media, every time I um, you know, look online, I talk to people, people are suggesting that the game needs to change. You're one of those folks. So let's start there. What is the current state of baseball in your opinion, you know, I, I've talked the last couple of days um, on just Twitter live. You know, last I've seen couple those, days. by the way, and those are good. Thanks. I, it was more like 
you know, trying to connect the dots with some of the stuff that is happening in today's baseball world. Um, what I can, what I'll say is this, my opinion on the state of the game today is that things aren't adding up. The concepts that are throwing out that were thrown out today are not, are not consistent with what they're saying the results are going to, you know, should be. If you have this many people saying something's wrong, even if they differ on what that may be, right? One, one person says this, one person says that. There's there's something wrong. And and you know what I what I can say about our game is at no time ever has somebody said this game is messed up, maybe imperfect, maybe there's some things you'd like to tweak, but completely messed up top to bottom. It's hard to find people saying that. And and the numbers, you know, we're, we're in an analytical world, which I, I, I think is a little bit of a misnomer because we've always used stats. We've always used analysis in this game. It's never, it's just, it's a, it's advanced or new analytics, I guess they would say. And some of the stuff you and I have talked about. You hear I'll that new here. analytics term a lot. Yes. A lot. Yeah. yeah. It, but it's, it's reframed. Some of the stuff is reframed. In, in any event, strikeouts are higher than they ever have been. Well, pitchers are higher than they ever have been. Walks are higher than they ever have ever had been. Um, We've had to put new rules in to, to change the way we're playing because we're we're taking advantage of stuff. We have teams tanking. It's just not very fun sometimes to watch, you know. And and I'm somebody who grew up in major league clubhouses, and I gotta tell you, man, if it wasn't for you know the, what we do with with KHOU and the Astros and the commentary, and you know that I'm supposed to sound intelligent, whether I am or not, you know, when I'm doing it, I wouldn't watch. I have a hard time watching major league baseball. It's tough to watch. It is tough. I turned on the Astros and the Red Sox. I turned on the Astros and the Dodgers, and I wanted to turn it off. I was like, I, "What am I doing?" Like, I don't. So want to- how how did it get here? Like, uh, so we talked about it a couple of weeks ago. Maybe it was like a week and a half ago. There's one game in particular. It was a White Sox Yankees game. Both teams combined for 26 strikeouts. Now I, I know that I know the pitchers have gotten better but they haven't gotten that much better. Like 26 strikeouts means there's an approach at the plate that has changed. And it's now you see it all over the place. So how did we get to this point where there are so many different elements of the game that are in question and that need to be kind of corrected, if you will? Well, we're hunting a fallacy. You know, we've tried to in front offices create players or put out that this is what we want. uh, Meaning this is what front offices want that are consistent in true outcomes. And true outcomes, as we've talked about a million times, for anybody who hasn't heard of this and can still stomach hearing it again, if you have, strikeouts, walks, and home runs, true outcomes. And they say that because those are things they think players can control. Well, I don't know if you and I have ever said this together on air, but I know I've said this before to you privately. The only pitch you can control that's a true outcome is OO, with nobody on base, top of the first inning. Every pitch after that is different. A one's different yeah. than 1-0, 1-1's one different than 2-1, man on first is different than nobody on. They're all different. So how true is that? Because the outcome of whatever that at bat is, is deals with the p- the situation with base runners, the score, where you are in the game, first the, uh, what the uh, the pitch before you was, what the pitch after you was, after that was, and who's who's on deck. Those are all factors that have nothing to do with you personally in the box and the swing you're going to put on the ball or the guy or you personally on the mound and you throw in the pitch. That right there negates the concept of true outcomes. It's not there. So we're hunting a fallacy. Um, Secondly, we have an industry now that has taken some time to arrive 
that it was started in the youth industry where people were making a lot of money on selling things that were sexy to parents. And over time, that became something we wanted to see um, that, that Major League Baseball gravitated to because it fit the true outcomes. Now, pitching is not better. Look at the walk totals. Look at the shortage of innings. Look at the um, you know uh, wild pitches. Look at all these things. And, and we're talking about the guys in longevity. That's not happening. We're talking about yeah. command. I guess when I say maybe stuff, like stuff has gotten a little, I mean, people can argue that stuff has gotten nastier. Uh, but you're right. Like overall pitching, you're, you're right. It, it has gone down a little bit. Yeah. Well, I'll give you, I'll give you velocity is better, but and I'll give you spin is better. And there's, you know, legal substances all over baseball that, you know, could be cracked down on any day. Um, mm-hmm. But you're talking about four seam pitches and guys have no idea where they're going. That would mean hitting should be easier than ever before. It would mean that all you'd have to do is kind of make guys pitch back to the strike zone, swing with a, a, an approach and a plan, slow your body down and make hard contact. We are very fortunate here in Houston. Um, and your, your team, the White Sox, has, has some of these guys too, where you have guys that can, that can hit. Yes. See, all better, 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 but none of these cats are bothered. Bregman, Altuve, Alvarez, Tim Anderson. Um, Madrigal, Nick Madrigal. What Nick, Nick Madrigal can put the ball in a, yeah, yeah. Kevin Biggio with the Blue Jays, Vlad yeah. Guerrero Jr. These guys aren't bothered by any of this stuff, right? So, you tell me if them, these guys can do it and just hit and go back to hit in the middle of the field, but everybody else can't. I don't understand what that's about. If, if you're a shift team, people complain about the shift. If, if Dan Gutierrez gets in the box and he tries to yank every pitch to the, to the pole side, man, stack the whole stadium on that side of the field. Like, don't, <laughs> You know, you right. the other side of the field. I, I don't understand where we're getting this, these these problems from. So we got here because we um, have a generation of players that are valuing the wrong things because they're being told that that is what is going to get them paid. Mm. But still the best players in the game are the starters. Guys that go six, seven innings every night, right? You've mm. got um, the, the, the hitters we mentioned. You've got guys that steal bases, action players. All these guys are the best players in the game. They're the highest paid, but we're ignoring that because we're going to something different. So um, you have to turn over the narrative. And once you turn over the narrative, you see the game start to change. Uh, do you see that starting to happen? People taking note of what's going on? Uh, look, we like home run balls. They're fine. They change the game in an instant. Maybe that's why a lot of people, the analytics guys, put so much stock into it. But I mean, you're right. Sometimes the product, and look, we love baseball. I love baseball. I love the White Sox. I'll watch them every day. That's fine. Uh, but I think if you want to keep growing the game, you, you need to involve some of the things that make this game beautiful again. The, uh, the hit and runs, the, uh, the stolen bases, lots of action. That stuff is somewhat gone. I mean, you don't see high stolen base totals anymore, for example. That's, that's one thing that's seemingly non-existent. Well, you got a self-fulfilling prophecy game happening right now. So let's just start with the pitching. Let's go with the narrative, which is not true. Pitching is better. Okay. You and I just talked about walks and, and wild pitch. Okay. So fine. Pitching's better. Not, not better, but pitching supposedly better. Strikeouts are way up. Oh, well, you know what? Strikeouts are up. So guess what must be better? Pitching must be better. That's the problem. Yeah. Got to move down back. We got to limit the pitchers on the road. That's not it. It's pitch throwing is better. Hitters, so hitters are swinging in. I mean, Daniel, look, I'm not like I'm not like um, I didn't invent the game. I'm not the smartest guy in the, in the room, you know. I'm not. I mean, but question for you: If the ball is in like this spot, right here, 
You want to swing up here or down here or just maybe there where the ball's at? It just seems to me yeah, you swing. I agree. I yeah. agree. I think I, – I mean, I love those players that are able to just go with it. Just go with the ball. They use all fields. I mean, that, I mean, it's really rare. You talked about some of the guys, but when you see a player that is able to use all fields, is able to hit with two strikes, that's able to do those type of things, you're kind of like, oh, my God, where has this guy been or why? I mean, this guy is a diamond in the rough. I mean, you don't really see that that much. So that's why guys, like I mentioned Madrigal, because it's his second year, but he's able to put contact on the ball, uses all fields. You're like, oh, my gosh, this is – this is kind of throwback, but this is kind of what baseball is supposed to be, I think. Well, the fact that we're calling it throwback, which is accurate, by the way, is a problem. Let's talk about the action players. Let's talk about stealing bases. No one steals bases anymore. All right. Well, people aren't stealing bases because somebody in the front office decided that it was a risk. That's it. It's a risk. You don't want to give up outs, and you don't want – what? I'm telling you now. I'm telling you now that in what, I'm, in what I do on a day-to-day basis and seeing these some of the best amateur talent – on the planet some of the not all some of the best amateur talent on the planet i can tell you i've seen more sub six four sixty yard dashes and four ones down the line than i've ever seen at any point in my career so when you tell me that players aren't are, are you know that people say well it's impossible for play-. no they're evolving they are absolutely evolving because you know 15 years ago you didn't see that right 10 years ago you didn't see that man even five years ago i was just at a workout in georgia and we had six guys run under a six four Six at one workout. Wow. You see there might be six in the draft. <laughs> okay. So I'm not, this is, this is not something that, um, where players aren't evolving. They are getting better athletically. It is happening. All right. Um, but with that foot speed, why are we not stealing bases? Well, part, we're not stealing bases because of the risk. Well, that means the catcher can get down on one knee because ain't nobody running. <laughs> That's right. I right? was just about to bring that up. Just about to, but go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. We can get on one knee and catch, and, and we can do this because nobody's running because they don't want to run for the risk. So probability. So probability he's not going off. He does go, oh, I guess I missed him. Yeah. Too difficult. Yeah. No. Meanwhile, you go ahead and put Ricky Henderson back in the game today on base stealing alone, or even Vince Coleman or those guys. How much money do they make? Oh yeah, I mean it's crazy because they stand out. I mean they stand out, and but not just not just the catchers, but the pitchers. A lot of these stolen bases you see now are on the pitchers. They're not even paying attention to what's going on, much less the catcher has any chance whether they're on one knee or not. They have no chance to throw the guy out at second because he's three quarters of the way down to second base, and the ball is just kind of getting there. I mean it's they have no chance because I guess the pitchers are realizing. Nobody's stealing, so why work on it, right? Yeah, and that, that fault, this, that's, that, that pitcher's not holding runners is twofold. Number one, they're loading up for velocity. So they're just going to load up and get in their leg and whack. We don't want to sacrifice our fastball. Get out of here with that. Second thing is, in the showcase environment, <clears throat> that's been around now for 20-plus years, all they're trying to do is throw hard for the guns. They don't care about winning games. They care about being seen and being moved on by scouts and coaches. So they don't ever work on it. Now, high school baseball used to work on this stuff. When I, you know, Connie Mack baseball and some of the other original select ball type stuff used to work on it, you know, but they don't do it. They just don't do it now. now some teams are getting back to it, but the products you're seeing in the game is based on an industry and major League baseball is based on playing in an industry of country club travel oriented baseball that does not teach fundamentals and not teach execution. That's it. But at some point, it's going to swing back, right? I mean, you're seeing so many guys catch on one knee. Don't you think that the even the analytics guys will look at the situation, look at the numbers the way it is now, and see the high stolen base rates? I mean, I think Cleveland has been caught, what, five times all year stealing bases. 
five times. I mean, that, and we're, we're two months into the season and maybe they might be, that's a pretty good percentage, but it's got to swing back at some point. You're looking at the analytics saying, okay, well, let's keep going. Let's see how, let's keep testing the waters. And then that will change maybe the cat. Don't you think that that's got to, it's always that give and take, I would think. I think you're right. But <clears throat> the problem we're going to have is that the analysts have built a, and, and I, I, again, I, I hate that word, the analysts, because they've always had stats, but this, this wave of Anna, this wave of analytically minded personnel, how's that? Analytically minded personnel in these front offices have made a career now in saying, don't do this stuff. Yeah. So if you're well, we have a manager in St. Louis and never played in the big leagues. So yeah, that doesn't, an, that doesn't, an, that doesn't, but he's an analytics guy, isn't he? He's, he doesn't he yeah. come from that, that, but I don't, I don't, not playing in a big leagues to me, not playing professionally to me doesn't never bother me. What bothered me is what bothers me about that is not, not getting it. Number one, you got to get it, got to get it, got to understand it. Okay. And number two <clears throat> is the inability to learn from those that did it. So, you, you know, there's, there's guys that, that have had experiences that I'll never have. There's guys that have had experiences that you'll never have. We're kind of narrow-minded not to listen and pay attention to it. We learn something. Maybe we hear something. We can apply it to our own experience. What we're doing, you know, you, you, for example, um, you know, and, and the KSU sports team, Jason and, and and Matt, you guys have all been around all levels of sports for a long period of time now. You're yeah. you having, you're able to watch the games, pick them apart. You're able to give a valid approach for what you see. How is that marginalized? Because you didn't play professional. Yeah. No, I mean, I, I, I get what you're, yeah, no, I do get what you're saying there. That's I mean, it's good to listen to all perspectives. It just, I just feel, I just feel like. Yeah, but you got value, Daniel. So I'm using you as an example because we're doing this, but I listen to what you have to say about the way you break down analysis and games and what you see. And, 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 and I even to ask you, what was that thing I'd ask you about? I was like, what is the FCS? Right. That's like, right. I, yes. That, what is the FCS? I'm sorry, Sam Houston folks. I'm sorry, but yes, it was, what is the <laughs> I've never heard of the FCS to you, but I had to ask that question. So I, the, the, Mike, the Mike Schilt thing and the guys that are managing that never – I care that you get it. And when it comes to analytical-minded personnel that's in the game today, they now have to go back to their ownership and say, yeah, oops, our bad. Hey, by the way, look at all these people we ran out of baseball because they wouldn't agree with us. Mm-hmm. Now the game is in a terrible position as a whole to the point where – Man, I mean, Sandy Alderson and Theo Epstein were the first two people to use this stuff in Major League Baseball, and Theo Epstein's saying enough. Yeah, he was the one that said you need to put the uh, the game back in the players' hands, right? So when you when you say that, you've said that before, put the game back in the players' hands. What exactly does that mean for people that uh, may not understand? Let the players play to have success. It doesn't mean um, the, the true outcomes don't mean anything. It means that. Uh, you know, scripting the game in advance before you allow it to happen doesn't work all the time. You can have a general game plan. That's fine. You can have a plan of attack. You can have, you know, percentages. And that's none of that's, that's fine. We're doing that forever. But what you're doing is you're taking every single pitch and you're, you're trying to plan it out to the best of your ability. And the players are robots. Mm-hmm. And there's no fun watching that. Now, again, we, we are very fortunate. And, I, and as much as, Man, it's you know, I feel like I'm going to get a thunderbolt in my back for what I'm about to say. Oh, as, gee, this is good. All right. As much as as much as I have beat up on the Astros organization, <laughs> Jeff Luno and Mike Elias, who still deserve every bit of all the stuff I threw at them, and then some. Okay, mm-hmm. so Mike Elias is over there in Baltimore destroying that team too. Oh my, they are bad. They are real bad. I mean, <laughs> I have not seen their farm system, but but at some point they had. A, 
two games in, they had not thrown a pitcher with an ERA under five. Like that, they are, that's a, a, a team that's in really bad shape. He's over there destroying that organization as well. So when you have, um, when you have the Astros, though, as were drafted by Bobby Heck and Ed Wade and the trades that Luno and company did make and waiver claims to build that organization at the big league level, we are very fortunate to be watching that baseball here, even in 2021, even with the holes they have, to watch, watch the way that team plays baseball every night is still a pretty good treat compared to the rest of the league. Okay. Now, um, that's why I said the Thunderbolt, because I have and I have dragged them back and No, forth. you have no, <laughs> no, I don't I don't know when you've done that. No, really. <laughs> so um, you know, you go out and look at some of these other stuff, man, and it's just it's it's frustrating. The game's gonna switch back when ownership steps up and says enough. Tired of listening to the fans, tired of watching listening to the writers, tired of watching OB Network, tired of listening to Northwestern Sports. You know, when they start listening to listen, listen. All right. I'm a product of that. And you just gave me a compliment about five minutes ago. So, hey. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we, you know, hey, do you want that manager that. job, by the way? They've got, a, they've got an open manager job in Northwestern. Yeah. You go ahead and take it. That'd be yeah. great. I'll be here in Houston. Yeah. I just I figured I'd ask since you're here. I figured I'd ask. Appreciate that. No interest. When, okay. when it comes to, um, but when it comes to that, yeah, it'll swing back. It's just, unfortunately, it took 20 years to get here. It's going to take you know a decade to get out of this. Because it starts at the uh, at the lower levels. You got to teach it back the way it was, right? I mean, that's that's the way it is. I mean, do you do you hear the conversations? Because you're all over the country. You're with uh, select ball coach. I mean, you're you're hearing this. Are they starting to teach it this way again? Like, are you start are you starting to see that swing there at the level that you're at? The programs we work with, your select organizations we work with, they, they teach the game. Okay. There are some that don't. Um, and, and to be honest with you, those that don't teach baseball and are just making money on, sh- on what a showcase team is, um, they, they don't like me very much. Yeah. That's, you know, that's. Um, well, what do you care? <laughs> well, I was going to say, you know, I go to sleep at night just fine. I wake up in the <laughs> you know, I just close my phone. I was going to say, I mean, you're doing just fine. Um, me one bit, you know, what your I, organization is awesome. You're doing a great job. So there you go. It's, it's, it's only as good as the people that are contributing to it and in it. And, you know, as, and now that we have gotten to this point, there are some founding members that really deserve a lot of credit. We don't have time to mention them all here now, but there are some people who believed in it when it was just an idea and you don't get to this point um, unless it takes a community to get here. And so I'm thankful for them, not just, you know, domestically, but globally as well. Um, that, that said, the game has to change in the way it's being played. It's that simple. It's still the greatest game in the world. I still love baseball. It is very hard to watch. Um, you know, we, we have done a terrible job of silencing former players. We've done a terrible job of silencing guys who have grown up in the game. Um, you know, whether it's coaches or managers or scouts or execs, you know, all those experiences is how this game moves forward. It's passed down, you know, from, from person to person, from group to group. And we've called it, um, we call that knowledge gatekeeping now. And that's not gatekeeping. It's just acquired knowledge that people earned. And there isn't a person out there who doesn't want to give back until we allow those people to give back to baseball. I'm fortunate. I get to give back to baseball. But until we allow those people to get back to baseball and value what they're saying over the person who um, has never had those experiences, when it comes to that level playing field, we have an issue that we can't get out of. Does it hurt the game? And now I'm going to bring up the whole Arusa thing. It's what was coming. Does it hurt the game? Um, when guys 
are not allowed to be themselves because of these unwritten rules. Do those, those things need to kind of go away after a while? You as a player, I, I think you'd be the best person to ask, does it hurt the game? I mean, it, progressing the game, the way things are, and, you know, social media, everybody's looking for different things, but um, how does that affect it when, you're, when these guys sometimes are either fined or the, the whole unwritten rule thing? So you've been saving that question for a couple of weeks. I have. I have. Yeah. We can get into it now. So I'm going to um, unpack it this way. <laughs> I still think that you play this game with dignity and class. I think that you, this game is 25 are now 26 individuals on a roster that make one unit. And each individual needs to be able to be themselves, but with the understanding that they're still part of the team. Okay. The LaRusso situation and, and, and uh, Mercedes situation is, is a very unique one in a number of different ways. The first thing that we need to point out is, all the 3-0 counts and that type of a, a run lead situation since modern baseball started, there's only one person that's ever swung on a 3-0 count. Guess who that is? Your mean Mercedes. That's the guy. Okay. So Tony LaRussa would be like, what are you doing? Rocco Baldelli would that's be. Fine. That's fine. Oh, I'm working around to where I know you want me to go. <laughs> okay. Rocco Baldelli is on the other side going, because no one's ever done it. You've literally never seen it before. Okay. Here's the problem with that. The minute the Minnesota Twins put a position player on the mound, there's no more unwritten rules. You've broken a rule. You stop competing. The minute you stop competing, I lose respect for you. And I'm not talking about the organization because the organization's got really good people in it and there's some good structure. I'm talking about that moment in time. If yeah. you're going to go ahead and tank, I got no respect for you and I'm going to score 40. There's no unwritten rules. Okay. Right. So, Mercedes swinging under the context of nobody's ever done it before. Problem. Problem. Mercedes swinging under the context of these, these uh, Jagamos went out there and threw, you know, uh, whoever it was, Pablo Sandoval. He was a big dude. I don't know. He hadn't missed many meals. I'll tell you that. You put him on the mound and he's sacrificial lamb. Right. And now, now where Tony lost me and Rocco lost me is that both these cats should know better Rocco's got the, the the cojones to go throw at somebody the next day. That was brutal, man. What are you doing? You put a position player on the mound, wear it. I don't care how many runs they score against you. Hey, Tony, they put a position player on the mound. Have some feel. You don't trash your player in the media. You don't give up the clubhouse that way. That, to me, was where he showed his disconnect with the situation. It wasn't that he got upset with, with Mercedes for, um, you know, not for, for – uh, for swinging, for swinging, because if Mercedes got a sign not to swing, you don't disrespect your manager. You take anyway. It was trashing him in the media, not recognizing. Him. Well, but, but, so okay. So then, my point is, and I, I think those are, those are valid points. But I, I, why isn't there a realization? Maybe because he's such an old school guy, and you know how I feel about him. I think that team is winning in spite of him. But I. Isn't there a realization at that moment? Larusa knows that they they put in a position player. I want all that three zero stuff is out the window. Like why why hold your guy back? Just let him swing. This is now the game's is is over. We can pour it on if you want. Doesn't he realize that he shouldn't have the take sign on three zero still in that situation? Especially with a guy like Mercedes who's been waiting so long for this moment to be in this position with the season that he's having. And frankly, I got to be honest. I think that that whole situation affected him in a way that he has not had that same swagger that he had before that afterwards. The last two and a half weeks for him have been brutal. 
But don't you think Larusa has to be in that situation? Like, okay, well, there's a there's a big fat guy on the mound right here. Position players playing third base last night. No, we're going to swing away as much as we can. Well, there's two things I can I can tell you about. I'll address Mercedes first, and then I'll address the Larusa thing because um, the Larusa thing is a much bigger issue to me than Mercedes. All right, um, Mercedes at 28 years old, 28, right, has waited his entire life to get there. Yeah, uh, you know, and and he has. Um, he earned his way. You quite. You just earned. He earned his way there. There's no way of saying it. he earned his way there. Okay, wasn't take. Wasn't taken there. He wasn't anointed. Moved up. He had to produce everywhere he went and earned his way to the big leagues. Um, quick story, but you say he hasn't been the same. Quick story. I was 19 years old. Yeah, 19 years old. And I used to have this thing as long as I had had been you know around playing baseball. I just used to stare at pitchers when I walked to the plate. <laughs> I used to stare at him. I love that. That's great. That's great. Well, one scout told me to stop staring down pitchers. Okay. Why? Well, you're showing them up. I, I'm just, I'm sizing them up. I'm coming to get him. Right. That's all I was doing. It's competition, I man. Well, I stopped doing it. I mentally had, was not the same for the rest of the time I played baseball when it came to my routine, I could pull myself out of that and stop being who I naturally was. I wasn't showing anybody up. I wasn't, bat flipping. I wasn't, you know, doing a penalty flag celebrate. I wasn't doing any of that stuff. I was just staring at the pitch when I went to the plate, but I was never the same since then. So when you, when you say that Mercedes, um, because that was an edge for me, it was a little bit of an intimidation. Yeah. Pitchers would see me staring at them and they'd look the other way and I had them. And that was just what it oh, was. For sure. For sure. Yeah. I can imagine. So when it came to Mercedes, the fact that he has pulled, had to pull himself back and deal with this type of negative attention or being a distraction is unfortunate because he has literally had to pick himself up off the floor every chance he's gotten to get here. So that's too bad. And I hope that he pulls himself out of that because he can't let um, his manager's misread of a situation affect it. Now, yeah. the thing about Tony LaRusso, because Tony gets a mulligan for me on the take sign because it's the first time it's ever happened. He gets a mulligan. Okay. She should never do it again. She needs to realize what's going on there and not do it again. Also, in today's game, we talked about walks, right? We talked about position players throwing now. We've talked about um, the, the true outcome part of it. You can put up a 10 spot anytime you want. I mean, it could happen at any moment. It's combustible. You couldn't do that even three years ago, five years ago. It couldn't happen now and today. The way it is right now, pitchers can just make mistake after mistake after mistake and bang, 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 and all of a sudden now a 10-run lead is 10-8. Yep. So – can't I don't I don't believe in that under the current situation of today. That is a yesterday thing. I think that still needs to be in play for etiquette. I do, but not under those circumstances. And Tony's got to read the environment and read the room and pull out. Where Tony has has made a, a major mistake was thinking he could criticize somebody's individuality and thinking he could get out in public instead of just instead of you asking me. I'll be Larusa, you be you. Uh, Jeremy, um, what do you think about Mercedes swinging? Next question. We're going to deal with that internally. Right. No, I, yeah, yeah. He was totally out of touch in that situation. And that, and you're right. I mean, I, I, I hope your mean turns it around. And frankly, I mean, most of the discussion was ripping Larusa, not him. I think most people were in his camp. They're like, yeah, man, swing three zero. Even Tim Anderson was publicly in support of him, right? But it's it's you know it gets in your head. So I, I do hope he. He does figure it out. But that goes back to the unwritten rule thing. We saw Tatis the other day hit a ball that still hasn't landed off Ryan Bresley. Um, he kind of, you know, took his time around the bases. That was a mind. He's kind of a flashy player. We've seen other guys. You have a problem with that? 
because there are some people in baseball that do and those people get a bad rap because the game should be evolving they argue uh so do you have a problem with that well i I think that some of the things that have separated baseball from the other sports is is the dignity and class comment that we talked about beforehand baseball there's things that in baseball that don't work that work in football or the nhl or the wwe it's just it's the way it is baseball has always been seen as this game that's a cut above everything else and we're taking baseball and i'm going to say this as a universal statement this isn't directed to one player by knocking down that dignity and class component okay we we we're making baseball common and baseball has always been seen as a cut above now it's not i'm not playing today it's not my not my game to turn around and say that the players have to play a certain way. That's not what I'm saying. What I am saying is the legacy and the history of this game, and there's not a color because somebody's going to say, oh, this is that color, that color. This is not a color. This is not a, a Marcus Stroman do-rag, which we'll talk about that here in a second deal. This is, this is just the, it's a, there's a dignity and an etiquette and a class, and he played this game. And to me, those are the most unwritten rules of all how you show up to the ballpark, how you carry yourself, how you deal with the kids. I don't care about a home run celebration. If, if, uh, if was it Lopez? Was it Lopez? But who's the guy playing first? Jones. It was Jones. Jones. Jones, Taylor Jones yeah. Misses the pop-up and Tatis hits one back to San Diego. Man, I don't care. Wrestling <laughs> still got to execute. Like I, I don't, right. I don't care. You know, that's a big moment where I think it gets out of touch is when we're doing it every time we hit a baseball. Yeah. It gets out of touch when, when, um, you know, we're throwing bats across diamonds. And, you know, I mean, the, the NFL had an excessive celebration penalty for this. I, I'm, I'm kind of half serious, half not. But if that's what it's going to be, man, umpires throw the flag. Like, that's it's, it's start next hitter starts with two strikes. Let's call it. You know, how much, how long do you think that's going to go on if you have an excessive oh. celebration yeah. penalty and the next yeah. hitter starts with two strikes? Right. And in now, baseball, any type of penalty that you may have can alter the inning so much. Right. right. And it's not like a 10 yard penalty, which, you know, doesn't result in a touchdown, but like a two strike or a base. I mean, that that could change the whole complexion of an inning. Right. I mean, you're talking about an era that is doing it more than ever before. But we had guys like Juan Berenguer, who some people may not remember, but you probably do. Twins, Senior Smoke. He'd strike out. Ah, right. <laughs> you, had, you had Reggie Jackson, who in the 70s hits balls so far, he just stood there, kind of puffed his chest out and come get curtain calls like, thank you. Thank you. I'm the man. Right. Thank you. You have all this. You have Ricky Henderson, right. who is the smoothest cat ever do this of all time, popping collars and, and taking right. – steps and I mean McGuire took extra steps around the bases Sosa took extra steps why is it limited to these guys this isn't happening forever it's limited to these guys because people don't want to see so much excessive celebration when the game is being played so poorly as a whole and all you have to do is go look at the Pittsburgh Pirates and the Chicago Cubs with Will Craig and Javi Baez to understand that in no time in 155 years of baseball has something like that happened. And somebody posted something, Daniel, I thought it was great. They said, it's a picture, and it was like the runner on third base was at the plate, and the Pirates catcher was there, and the Baez was right here, and Will Craig was at first was, was closing in, and the guy said, um, my new favorite sport is whatever this is. <laughs> <laughs> I, I honestly, I was so blown away. I was floored when I saw that play. I mean, how long have those guys been playing baseball? How long have they been playing? Two outs. Step on first base. What are you doing? I mean, oh, God, that that play will live in infamy. I mean, that will be replayed for years. No no question. I don't have an answer for that. What what I'm saying is when you see things that way, 
that's the things that people are frustrated with. You know, you also have social media today. We don't, we have Twitter, you know, you and I are on Twitter all the time. We have Facebook, which I'm not on nearly as much. We have, you know, we have um, Instagram, which I can't stand Instagram, but we have these things that people use to communicate their thoughts and everybody's got a voice now. Yeah. And so this right. stuff is magnified. It didn't used to be that way. Everybody's got a voice. And, and so you're going to have this one camp who's made a lot of money on this thing that's now in power. And this other camp is like, see, we told you you were going to mess yeah. it up. You messed it up. And there, and so how do we, well, fix we saw it? that story with Marcus Stroman and Bob Brentley again, that's that, that it, I found out about it on social media. And that's, that's one of those things that, and you, you just alluded to it, but I don't know what you thought about that, that those comments. I'm happy to address that as well as a, um, um, as a, as a person of color, as a, as a black male in society, I am happy to address that. Now yeah. I, I can say, Man, we're in an interesting time of social justice. This is the first time and I can remember in the history of America, certainly in my life, where racism of any kind just flat out wasn't cool. It's not okay. There are plenty of times before now where things got swept under the rug. You know, uh, it just, it's, it, it's not everybody. I mean, it's, it's just still a very small segment of society that's doing this, but it still used to be tolerated. It's not tolerated now. It's not, it's not, you do something like this. And I'm not saying Brentley's comment in any way was racist. I personally didn't take it as a racist comment. I took it as a uniform comment. I took it as a uniform comment. There's a certain way to wear a uniform. Stroman wasn't doing it that way. And he commented on it. Now he compared Stroman to a great pitcher. Now Stroman is Jacob deGrom and he, deGrom's wearing a do-rag and he compares deGrom to Tom Seaver. Are we having a racism conversation? Probably not, no. No, because no. that's not the issue. The issue right. was a uniform deal. Marcus Stroman, unfortunately, after that, had to deal with some people going after him on his Instagram and insulting him. Somebody even that seemingly works for the Department of Defense, okay? Yeah. Calling him, calling him, you know, uh, well, you know, racial. Terrible things. Yes, sir. Yeah. So um, we, we tend to devolve into these conversations instead of just making it about um, – you know, Brentley was commenting on the uniform, probably needs to understand that that's a cultural thing in Stroman's mind and that's what he was doing and, and that's it. But um, I feel like we are pushing the limits every chance we get, sometimes for the sake of pushing the limits, sometimes for the reaction, sometimes for entertainment. Um, I don't have a problem with what Marcus Stroman did. I don't understand it, but nor do I care. How's that? I don't care about this. The, I don't care. If the Mets thought yeah, that was, I don't really care either. I mean, I did that. That's whatever. He's still pitching great. I mean, it's, it's, you're still performing well in the field. I don't care. I don't care. I don't, if, I don't care. If baseball's yeah. in a while that's part of their uniform. So be it. Until Major League yeah. Baseball the signs doing anything with the Astros. Until right. you put a rule down that says you can't do it, I don't want to hear it. Right. Then you put a rule down that says you can't wear it. Cool. And there was no rule there. Stroman's able to wear it. Is it odd? Well, it's just unusual. Is it uh, cultural? That's up for him to decide. I, I don't mm -hmm. know. I don't have hair. I'm not wearing a do-rag, okay? I'm not doing it. I've never worn one in my life. Doesn't bother me. So um, I, I just, I think we're in an era of, of a little bit of, of, of a change in the guard of how we're doing things and some of the why. Uh, I think it's uncomfortable for some. I think it's just more of a what are we doing type moment. Now, Brentley just says, Stroman's got a do-rag on. Now, what are, what are we doing? I've never seen anybody wear a uniform like that. Maybe somebody says, Oh, hey, Bob, don't, you don't need to make that comment, but we're certainly yeah. not about, right? I just, yeah. I, I don't No, I got you. I got you. Yeah. I, I think we have to kind of remember the context of things and we have to remember this player today, this generation of player today is taking a whole new level of flash, almost as like they're trying to one up the next player.
Tim Anderson, to me, as flashy as he can be, he's got nothing on some of these other dudes. He's got nothing on Tatis and Stroman and uh, you know some of these guys like that, that circle. Like remember that naked gun thing? What was the naked gun with Leslie uh, Leslie Nielsen? Oh, uh, no, yeah, as the umpire, yeah. That's what I'm watching every night. Yeah, right, right. Oh, what was his name? And oh gosh, yeah, I know what you're talking. about. Yeah, that was a great scene. Great scene. But I think it's good though. Like, look, I think it's fine. And you you mentioned Tim Anderson. I I feel like he, I mean, he embraces the whole fact that he is a White Sox player. He's on the south side of Chicago. I mean, he embraces it, and I think the fan base reacts to it and they love it because I don't. It's been a long time since we've had a player that you know embraces that 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 love for the team and that, and that side of town, which is awesome. And I think each team needs somebody like that. But if it's every night, every game, every day, that's when it, it does get repetitive. Kind of like you posting my picture every night, every day, every post. Hey, look, just like when a player hits a home run, the situation calls for it. It's going to go <laughs> up. And, you te- and the worst thing is, worst thing is you text me before you do it. It's like, you know what's happening. I'm like, Damn it. No. (laughs) uh, We'll say this for today's, you know, celebrations. And I'll say this for the home runs and the strikeouts. Home runs and strikeouts and celebrations used to be cool. Ken Griffey Jr. for me used to have one of the, uh, um, the coolest, they would call it, you know, pimping the ball, pimping a home run, but it was, it was cool. He hit it. It was smooth. Knew it. One of the best swings in baseball ever. Right. Started trying. It was so cool. Even bonds was cool. Like that was, was cool to me. Some of the stuff the other guys are doing is just it's 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 them and they need to be who they are and that's fine. It's just over the top and it's all the time. So you know, home runs used to be cool because not everybody was doing it. Now everybody's doing it. You see them all the time. Some people scoring runs. Strikeouts were cool because guys that struck out had really good stuff. Now everybody's striking out because they're swinging when the ball's not right. So I mean, it's it's not it's just not as it's, it's the game has lost its effect on these. Um, it's power of these moments. Everybody throwing hard. Guys that threw 100 miles an hour used to be cool. Now everybody's doing it, right? Yep. It's just it's not as cool anymore. So I have no problem with these guys trying to keep interest in it, but they need to, you know, they need to understand that the more they do it, actually the more people they turn off, not the more fans they bring. Because we're tired. People are tired of seeing it. Jeremy, always fun talking to you, man. Hey, man good times. Good times. times. Yes, sir. All right, that was Jeremy Booth, our baseball analyst. Such a good dude. I'm glad we brought him on several years ago. Kudos to Jason Bristol. He did a story with uh, Jeremy, and then he have, he even asked me, he said, hey, should we have him on as baseball analyst? And I thought, yeah, sure. There are no TV stations in town that have a baseball analyst, and he has been magnificent. Uh, the work that he does with New Balance, the future All-Star series that he has is terrific. He knows the game in and out, and uh, he wants to see the game succeed, and Frankly, nobody here in town has a baseball analyst, so we're blessed to have him. And it's great that we do have a baseball analyst because that's really the only team in town that's worth watching at this point. The Rockets are miserable. I'm not even watching the NBA playoffs. Uh, The Texans are about to go 0-17 most likely, so there's that. And uh, and the Astros are still keeping our attention because they have a talented team. They just have a couple issues to fix. So thanks to Jeremy for uh, being on this episode of the podcast. I will try to have another one tomorrow. Trying to get... uh, a guest, uh, but Brian Peters, former Texan linebacker. He went to Northwestern, too. Uh, we've gotten to know each other a little bit, and I'm um, trying to have him on. He's a huge fitness guy, huge fitness buff. He's all about it. 
In fact, I think J.J. Watt called him one of the fittest players he's ever been around. That's high praise coming from J.J. So uh, Brian Peters is uh, hopefully going to come on tomorrow, and I'll post that episode. But if not tomorrow, I'll have him next week. So anyway, thanks for tuning in. This was episode 58. I will catch you next time. See you.